0: Hey there, traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com
1: right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at
0: AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com.
2: We talked about futures contracts. By, By nature, the term future, it expires at some point in time. Sometimes they're physically settled, which means you make or take delivery. Sometimes they're cash settled, which just means when they expire, you get a debit or credit and they come off the books. So I think both you and I, just thinking about that now, which would I rather have? And It's very, if you're trading crude, you're not going to get a thousand barrels of oil. The guys, not going go pull up and say, hey, where do I park
0: this in your basement? Listen, I live in Texas. It could happen. You never <laughs> <Yeah>. know, right? <laughs> This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10 minutestocktradercom where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Yule. Today's episode is produced in partnership with FinClub.ai. Trade with confidence and leverage the power of artificial intelligence in your trading starting today. Go to FinClub.ai to get two free weeks of AI stock picks and save 15% when you use the code SAVE15. That's at FinClub.ai. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips,
1: and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week.
0: Hey there, traders! Welcome back to another episode of the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, I've got a really special guest online, Pete Molnat. He's the Chief Commercial Officer at the, the Small Exchange, which is part of the TastyWorks family. Pete, I'm really excited to have you on today. I think uh, I think I've got a lot to learn from you, sir.
2: Hey, Chris! Thanks so much for having me on. I I've really been looking forward to talking with you, and uh, this will be this will be great. So uh, uh, thank you again for uh, yeah. having me here.
0: For sure now now Pete himself, he is a celebrity. he is an actual star <laughs> on tasty trade, and uh, you know that that's one of the the very fortunate blessings that I've had to be on the show is that I can network and talk to people like Pete and Tom and Tony and Dr. Jim, and you know just being able to collaborate with them and you know Pete, one thing that I've really put into this uh, podcast is I definitely feel and this is one of my like core principles is collaboration over um competition and it just has opened so many doors for me. Instead of trying to compete with Tasty Trade, let's work together <laughs> with Tasty Trade, right? right. It just makes it a lot easier for everybody. So Pete, let's uh let's dive into who you are, right? You've been around the block a couple of days, I think. And you know, I'm sure that you can share with with me and the audience out there, you know, your background and how you got how you got to become such a well known figure with Tasty Trade.
2: Well thanks Chris. Yeah, I I was very fortunate. I started trading uh, when I was 20 years old, I was still in college between my junior and senior year. Now, my my dad was a cattle broker on the floor of the CME, and I started in FX. My grandfather was actually a pork belly trader. Uh, so I, I was kind of born and raised in it. Uh, so I, I was so fortunate to be able to start at 20 in a pit that, and here I'm dating myself, uh, when there was a Deutschmark. So before the EU currency came around. And you know what? There was nothing better than to... When I started trading, there were twelve guys in the pit. The busy day was three thousand contracts, and everybody walked out like the you know uh, that your head was spinning. And by the time when I left the floor to move on to doing some uh, creating a prop group, uh, the pit was doing about two hundred thousand contracts a day, and there were probably two hundred guys in there. So the ability to grow into a new market and a new environment is incredibly powerful. You get to learn as as the market evolves. So. I spent almost uh, 18 years on the trading floor until about 98 or 99. And what a wonderful experience. It was so interesting. Because, you know, Chris, you mentioned the idea of learning collaboratively. Um, the floor was unique. It was, it was exciting and it was, it was lucrative. But what was great about it was you were surrounded by guys who did it very well and very poorly. So you could, you know what, you had the entire spectrum of, of skill and, and education in front of you, which was great. I think a great challenge for a lot of people, especially my, my cadre of traders is when they moved from that environment off the floor, everybody built what we used to call their bunker. So they go down to their basement, they throw up 30 monitors and try to replicate that, that collaborative sensory input of all the noise around you. I remember one guy was even selling software that when the ladder moved up and down, it would it would yell at greater increments, buying, 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 you know, just something to replicate that world. Now, it was a struggle because basically every trader was left alone with his thoughts and it was a tough environment. Not a lot of guys made it through that really well. So the, the idea of being able to collaboratively work, whether what we do at Tasty Trade or the way we're engaging with the small exchange in terms of, Building investment of understanding of product and getting people involved to not feel that they're alone in the woods, that they're, 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 there is someone with them on this journey the way you take everyone on the journey to, to get them comfortable, get them moving forward. You know, I always equate to traders are like sharks. If they're not moving forward, they're dying. And moving forward is you're learning new things, you're learning new products. You're, we talk about product indifference and how important that is whether it be futures or options or stocks, being able to be – it it doesn't mean we pack everything in. We don't have to understand 3,000 underlines of of different skins. But we need to be comfortable adopting product and being able to look uh, to the next iteration of how we increase our ability to trade in this market.
0: Yeah. Wow, you've you've got a lot there. So I appreciate (laughs) that, Pete. You know, uh, when I was talking to Tony Batista, and he was telling me about his his time on the floor, did you guys ever connect? Was that how y'all got together?
2: Uh, no, he was the enemy. He was across the
0: Oh, <laughs> okay.
2: When I say that, different exchange. You know, back then there were three exchanges, uh, three trading floors. So CME or Chicago Mercantile Exchange where I traded, the Chicago Board of Trade where they traded primarily grains, and then the CBOE or the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And each one of us, you know, thought we were you know we were the catch me out and so we never crossed paths actually Tony spent a couple of years trading bonds at the board of trade so um, never those kind of two worlds never intersected until both exchanges went public and the CME ended up buying the board of trade so now we see CME with these interest rate products, these grain products, it all seems as one, but these were, CME was actually assembled from four different exchanges. The Board of Trade, which had bought the NYMEX, which is all the energy products, crude, NAT, gas, and everything. And then the COMEX, which was all the metals product, gold, silver, platinum, and some soft commodities. So that all was assembled together. And um, they actually had melded the trading floors together. But at that point, I would say 90% of the business was migrated to electronic trading. The the speed at which that happened, I think, was surprising for everyone. But if you think about what we want is a leveling of the playing field. What electronic trading did was truly level the playing field. Everybody, you know, if you think about it, I would stand in the DMARC pit and I want to trade crude oil. And I have to kind of battle my way through these 200 knuckleheads to get out pick up a phone, put it in order, and then if it was busy in New York at NIMAX, I'd get a fill back two hours later uh, with no certainty around what where that would be filled. Uh, the ability now for us to basically glide our mouse, mouse across the platform and get into whatever we find interesting now is such an empowering thing. And it broadened the participant base dramatically. Um, every Whether it be individual or pension fund, asset manager, everyone, was had that direct access. So if you think about it, that speed, that cost efficiency, and that ease of access, the probably took six to seven years to fully migrate from 400 guys in the S&P pit to 40 guys in the S&P pit. Um, but that that evolution, once it started to gain ground, moved very quickly. So it, it was interesting to see, but it's so logical because it, you know, traders like sharks have to move forward. Products have to move
0: forward and innovate. And we've seen that. Yeah. You know, hearing these stories of of pits and, you know, people yelling orders and and calling New York and two hours later you're getting a fill, things like that. I couldn't imagine. Like I literally could not picture, other than like seeing it in in trading places or something like that, <laughs> what what actually business was like in those days. Like it just seems such a foreign concept to me that yeah. I I would have to Get on the phone, call somebody, have somebody physically walk their body over to a pit, you know, throw some hand signs around, and uh, you know, a couple hours later, find out if I did or didn't get filled and what price. Right? It just seems so arcane, and that was that was obviously in your lifetime. That was not all that long ago. It was, and
2: it was, it was incredibly exciting. You opened those doors to go on the floor, and there were three thousand guys spread and women spread out across, you know. Uh, our CME trading floor at our heyday was actually two trading floors, one on top of each other, and was the largest unsupported structure in the United States. What I mean by unsupported structure was had no pillars in it, so there was complete visibility wherever you stood to see all the pricing boards. And you're right; there were you quickly picked up that unique language of buying and selling and using your hands to communicate. Now, out of those 3,000 people we had at that time, I think 12. Female traders, and I was fortunate enough to marry one of them. My wife Michelle was uh, ran uh, a metals trading firm called uh, Brody White, and would fill orders in the pit. So I was after numerous times asking her out and being rejected. I think she finally took pity on me and went out and was fortunate enough to marry her. But funny is that these hand signals we use of whether it be a hundred or ten, we go to Costco now, and she'll ask me how many of those do we need now. You know, I'll give her the 12 sign and she knows exactly what that means. So How even now we still use some of that vernacular, vernacular.
0: Yeah, that is hilarious. You know, you are very fortunate to found somebody in your field that can uh, definitely talk your language in that case, because my wife, she's a she's a teacher. We met in college. And when I start talking numbers, it is the fastest glaze you have ever seen. It's like a glazed donut, right? As fast as possible. <laughs> so that, that's really cool. Uh, you know, she she uh, she handles other things, and and I handle numbers. And she's like, I don't want to have to cross pollinate these here; just not my not my thing here. But
2: so se- that separation that, of responsibilities, I know, yeah, the work best.
0: Yeah, and we're definitely not not stepping on each other's feet in that case. Yeah, cool. So so tell me how we how we ended up at the small exchange, right? We we've uh, come from you know uh, pork bellies and and cattle and. Now we're, what, what happened next?
2: Right. So, you know, the the, the futures markets came into uh, existence for price discovery. It was the ability of people producing a good who knew that if I'm, let's just, we'll stick with our corn example. Uh, if I put corn in the ground in March and April, I know I'm harvesting it in October and November, but I have no idea what that price is going to be then. So how do I plan how much I plant and what do I invest in my crops? So. The idea of price discovery was the driving need for futures markets. And as you would think, it started in the agricultural space, moved into the livestock space. When I first started, like I said, the foreign currencies were a very small amount of volume. What was the biggest thing traded on the CME floor at that time was live cattle futures. So the migration, though, of the global nature of financial markets quickly changed the evolution of U.S.-centric livestock futures into this world of financial futures. So what's interesting though, Chris is, you know, futures have been around for, depending on if you go back to uh, the Japanese grain markets in 17, I want to say 1785, but I might be wrong there, but let's just call it the last 120 years in the United States. Um, The evolution of, of product has been very, very quick. And what we've seen is, uh, Financial products come to the forefront very quickly. But one of the things that's challenging is they didn't all come at once. It wasn't one day in the 80s that they decided to turn on treasury bonds, notes in two years and the, you know, the dollar, the yen, Canada and um, uh, everything else. So what we ended up getting was kind of a every product was built with its own end user in mind. So we look at the current world and in the grain market, they're quoted as a fraction of a cent. Uh, in the bond market, there are fractions of a, of a basis point. So, you know, it's so funny to think in this world of decimalization and the elegance of the way stocks and options are presented uh, in dollars and cents. You've got something that is quoted in fractions like bonds, one thirty second. And the difference between ZB, a long bond that has a tick size of here you go, thirty one dollars and twenty five cents. Think about the randomness of that compared to. $15 is 62 and a half cents for a note, or $6 and 25 cents for a two year. All these products build at certain points for a certain end user. So what you've got are futures, which in and of themselves are incredibly capital efficient products. Because it is, and for those of you who don't know about futures, the difference between equities and options and the world of futures are, futures by their name are um, contracts not underlines, but contracts for future delivery, because they are contracts between um, individual, well, it's between the exchange, to the counterparty, but since they're contracts for futures delivery, there's a different margining system. It's called span margining. And what it does is let you control a lot of product for a very small amount of capital. It's leverage. Now, Chris, you and I both know leverage is sometimes look at it as this Pejorative thing. It's scary, but it's also very positive. It it enhances your return on capital. So you've got these large products that are built for institutions that have this tremendous capital efficiency, but sometimes, to a great extent, don't fit where you and I want to be. The world of equity indexes, NASDAQ right now is a $210,000 contract. The gold contract, $200,000 in Notional. Now, you're, you're to control that two hundred thousand dollars of gold you're posting collateral margin of about seven thousand dollars so you think about that boy i unlike reg t gld where you're posting 50 you're you're getting tremendous capital efficiency using futures but you're compelled to consume that at a very large size so it's like i love the i love the the return on capital i like the ability to deploy we're all constrained by a number of things. And one of them, it used to be access. That's been broken down and it's a level playing field. Now its we're all constrained by capital. So where can I use my capital most effectively? Increase my number of occurrences. Have a truly diversified portfolio. So all these pieces play it. When you go into the world of traditional institutionally sized futures, that's where you get the mismatch. I can only trade gold at 200000 a clip so that means every one lot i buy i am so overweight exposure into that particular future even if i'm using less capital than 100 shares of gld Mm -hmm. i've still got a a very uh, dramatic mismatch of exposure so the small exchange went to look at some of these issues we just talked about the non-uniformity of products and what i mean by that is the different tick sizes the different ways they're quoted the different expirations now We talked about futures contracts. By by nature, the term future, it expires at some point in time. Sometimes they're physically settled, which means you make or take delivery. Sometimes they're cash settled, which just means when they expire, you get a debit or credit, and they come off the books. So I think both you and I, just thinking about that now, which would I rather have? And it's very if you're trading crude, you're not going to get a thousand barrels of oil. I mean, guys not going to pull up and say, hey, where do I park this in your basement? Listen,
0: I live in Texas. It could happen. You never <laughs> <Yeah>. know, right?
2: <laughs> uh, absolutely. But uh, you know, that physical delivery piece is daunting. It's intimidating. So let's take that out of the equation. Let's make cash settled products, which we did at the small change. Let's make them at a size that makes sense. So all of our indexes are cash settled. They're all quoted just like an equity or an ETF, two decimal points to the right. So it's like, okay, this makes sense. Every tick is a dollar. So whether you're trading energy or metals or the equity index, every one point increment, every minimum movement is $1. So it's uniform. You know, when they built the options, equity options, they really did it right. They made everything standardized, 100 shares. Quoted in that dollars and cents. It made perfect sense. It made it easy for people to adopt. We want to make futures now that easy. Uh, So we've made them small. We've made them simple. Everything expires on the same day, the third Friday of the month at 3 o'clock. If you open up a futures expiration calendar now, you will literally see something different expiring every day of the month. Now that, and you look at expiration schedules. Now some like the equity indexes are quarterly. Well, that makes sense, every 90 days. You look at things like gold and silver. It's Feb, April, June, and August, then December. It's like, where did they pick these random months? And why don't they all align? Well, it's the evolution of product. Is it confusing? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we always say we want to t- have you take your, Ideas to execution. And what we mean by that at the small exchange is we don't want you to have to spend voluminous amounts of time learning about the product, understanding its nuance, difference, what a tick means. Is it $10 in gold? Is it $25 in silver? Or, like we talked about, $31 in bonds. Make it all simple, make it all standard, and make it all uniform. And that's what we've done at the small exchange.
0: Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> no it's okay. You probably now. saw me looking away because I'm, I'm writing down notes. Like, oh, I have, I have a question about this. I have a question about that. Okay, perfect. Okay, so my first I'll start question.
2: Start breathing and let you answer the questions.
0: <laughs> answer the questions. <laughs> no, no, no I, I like to let the guests talk. I, uh, I'm certainly not one of those people who's going to interrupt you as you go. I want you to to finish your thoughts here. So, all right. So we have all these different products, like gold, like bonds, like uh, equities, like pork bellies, etc. So we're though, you were saying those were built at like different times for different reasons, right? So that's probably why they are different sizes and different expirations. How, who, who, in, who came up with the reasoning for that, right? Like who decided today I need, uh, well, we'll talk about orange juice futures since they're gone now, right? Who decided yeah. we needed orange juice futures? Actually, and then the orange juice, more.
2: Yeah, they're still there.
0: Oh, they are. I thought they were gone. Okay.
2: No, yeah, they trade. They they trade about five hundred contracts a day um, on a busy day. Now, it's a it's a very wide, very thin market to trade. It certainly would be the last place I would suggest somebody to go and start their futures journey. Um, kind of. In, in, I, I remember back in, when I was on the floor, there these pits were usually populated by a large amount of traders, very active. And we traded something called random length lumber. So there was a lumber future, and you can think about it. Builders wanna know the price of plywood. The guys, The guys growing the the, the trees wanna get a sense of what they can sell of them. There were four guys in that pit, and they did about 800 contracts a day. And when you walk by and you were thinking, oh, lumber's moving a lot, maybe I'll step in there. The looks you got from those guys told you, don't come in. You're, you're not welcome, nor, nor will you, uh, uh, or is there opportunity? Orange juice, a little bit of the same thing—a very small market. Something you you probably um, probably one of the last spots you want to be able to start your career. But you mentioned that. So as markets evolve, as products evolve, at different points in time, uh, there is a need for either a physical contract, like you mentioned, like uh, cattle or hogs or orange juice, and I mean. It's interesting because the evolution, Chris, there are things that have gone away: scrap steel, uh, turkeys. They They traded shrimp at one time. So things that had kind of an interest and then not a sustainable nature to them. As our markets grew in the 70s and 80s, we moved off the gold standard in the United States. That's where floating currencies came into trade and became such an important instrument. The U.S. government started issuing debt Treasury futures became very interesting. So you can see as our U.S.-based economy grew and evolved and matured, and then our global expansion grew, evolved, and occurred, there was a need for different products. As that price discovery need came forward, products came forward.
0: That makes sense. Okay. So these products that were built, they were never intended for retail investors, right? They were always intended for institutions or uh, like a body that would need... Um, like to know the the price of hogs or whatever in the future, right? Like a, a farmer, I guess you could say. Um, yeah,
2: a farmer or the end user, the other guy on the other side of the equation who is buying the grain and processing right. it into bread, is processing it into corn syrup. And those were that was your that was your anchor tenant, so to speak, is the two ends of the barbell: the user and the producer. And then mm-hmm. you had a little bit of market maker and uh, people looking to uh, assume risk, not people looking to – the guys at the end of the barbell were looking to uh, put risk off. So they, they were looking to add certainty, whether it was the price of the good they were buying or the price of the good they were selling. So they had to transfer that risk to someone. And that would be where the risk taker, the speculator would come in and participate. But it really wasn't a world built for retail self-directed
0: mm-hmm. trade. So that's where my, my question was leading, right? So it's not built for retail. They're humongous position sizes. They're uh, inconsistent with everything essentially about them, right? Yes. Um, how did retail investors get to it, right? Because now I'm thinking about the Market Wizards books, which I I don't mm-hmm. know if you've had a chance to read them, right? You probably sure. are friends with half of them. <laughs> um, like uh, how, how did these people even how did they get to the point where they're like, I don't want to talk about stocks anymore. I want to talk about equity futures, right? How did that even? How did we get to the point where a retail, or I mean, you could think of it like a market wizard being a retail, but I'm sure that they had different levels being money managers. But how did we get to a point where retail investors could actually access the those markets? It seems like, it seems like it'd be prohibitive in in so many different ways.
2: Well, you know, to a great extent, Chris, it was. It, it was challenging because uh retail when business was done on the floor i stood in the pit and every trade i made was instant as you said the entire marketplace was matched where i stood so you instantaneously know what what you bought and sold now i also wore the other coat so to speak when i was trading a product off our floor and talking about waiting two hours to get a fill back so that those kind of barriers made it very difficult for retail to trade also the firms made it Challenging for retail to trade, requiring a lot of capital to trade these products because of the leverage and the idea that there is a propensity for um, overcommitting to positions and all the troubling mechanics that come with that. So, uh, there's always been this, this interest by retail. They see the benefits of capital efficiency. They see, you know, one of the they, well, futures do so many things well, but what's great is they give you pure product exposure. I want exposure to the precious metals. I don't want a miner. Now we know we can look at GDX or GDXJ and does it have a correlation to gold? Absolutely, but we also know too that depending on what equities are doing, some days it can wear gold as as it suits, some days it can wear equities as it suits. What I mean is that there's not consistent or pure exposure. Futures do that very well. So that's a great way to diversify out of your equity-centric world of trading. But it, again, comes with that challenge of this very large size that you're trying to consumer put in. So that has always been a struggle where retail has come in. And the time that it takes an individual to learn a product, get comfortable with it, and put it into practice. Because I think, Chris, we all know we can learn by watching, but we probably all learn better By doing, Um, oh yeah, for sure. You know, we can put the paper trade on, and you know, we don't look for three days and whatever it is. It's you know, oh look, I I made some money, or "Uh, I'm going to wait for it to turn around. Uh, When those dollars and cents are real and moving on the screen, very different set of 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 comfort. So uh, I I think that that challenge was that it it the ability to adopt product became very difficult because you weren't given enough time to learn. You tended to burn through your capital because, you know, when we learn, we tend not to hit the ground with positive PL. There's a back and forth uh, in terms of getting product comfortable into your, into your trading toolbox. Um, the challenge with what we had was that very attractive, pure product exposure, all these great things about future, but it came with this very expensive price tag, and that made it difficult to
1: adopt.
0: Right, that makes sense. Okay, so now now we've we've come out of the dark ages, right? We're we're using computers to trade, and now we've got the small exchange, right? So now now let's say because I've I've never traded futures, and I was telling Pete before our, our our show today, this is a realm I'm not familiar with, so he'll probably be teaching me a lot. I mean, I I love options. I I am in in equities and options all day every day. That's that's my that's my bread and butter, as I tell people, but. I've been leery to get into futures because of so many of the things that you've yeah. talked about. Right. I understand the, the notional risk is so much more. I understand the leverage is so much greater. Right. And let's say I put on one gold trade and gold's been exploding lately, but let's sure. say I decided I'm going to pick the top and then I'm wrong. Like yes. how long until my account is just gone. Right. So that, that uh, all of those things put together have been the reason why I have not Trade of futures, which it sounds like that is the reason why the small exchange was made, um, for you know the accessibility, for the ease of learning, for right dipping in into it without uh, breaking anything, and uh, especially the the uniformity of it that makes that makes things a lot easier to understand. So how do we trade these, Pete, right? How, like, I, I have a Tastyworks account and I, I definitely recommend people do the same. In fact, I have a, I have a few free bonuses for you f- as well. If you wanna go to trytastyworks.com, that's my webpage that I put together with the help of the team at Tastyworks and I will give you a ton of bonuses Now you gotta do is create a free account. Doesn't get much easier than that.
2: Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Yeah, but how are we gonna trade these, Pete, right? Like, let's say I pop open my Tastyworks platform Literally, I have no idea how to do this, right? I'm typing in GLD, I'm typing in SPY, I'm typing in SPX. How do I get to a small exchange product? I don't know. I'm so, not even trying to like fake it here. I just don't know.
2: <laughs> so a couple of things. You can go, you can start with going to smallexchange.com to learn more about the products, learn more about what the offering is. And there's tons of educational content about the products, both static and video. We do a live broadcast twice a day. So we want, you know, we want to be invested partner with participants in terms of getting comfortable within the product. So on Tastyworks, it couldn't be easier. All futures start with a forward slash. So you go in and you can either look at the pre-made watch list, which they have just for smallest futures. So you can go over and just drag down and you'll see the smallest futures products and the cash indices, they're built on. So it's very simple, very straightforward. And really you just bring up that product just like you would any other product, forward slash SM75 for our equity index, forward slash SPRE, and it's like, well, what, that's precious metals. And one of the things we wanted to do, Chris, was just not copy someone else's products. Uh, we didn't want to make tiny CME products. Very frankly, if CME wants to do that, they can. Uh, we wanted to create products that resonated with our demographic, our, that would resonate for you and I. So precious metals, our precious metals index, is a combination of gold, silver, and platinum. So truly holistic precious metals exposure. And I think you follow the markets closely. You know, depending on the day, um, it's gold that could be up 3% or silver that could be up 6 or 7% that we right. saw a couple of times last week. So you get the, the stock picker's dilemma sometimes. I want to be long precious metals, but geez, I picked the wrong one today. I bought gold. I can't buy both gold and silver. It's just too expensive. It's too much exposure. Um, I picked the wrong one. So how can I make it easy? We feel we made it easy with forward slash SPRE. I want to be long or short precious metals. Simple expression of opinion, all packed into one single product. Just like our dollar index, forward slash SFX, small dollar index. It includes seven currency pairs, So rather than figuring out, I want to be long euro today, or I want to be short yen tomorrow, and each of those is an expression of a currency against the dollar. So if I'm long euros, I'm long euros and short dollars. Can I trade that? Sure, you could trade euros, yen, or sterling. Again, the dilemma, which one do I pick? I I have an idea about the dollar. I want to make this simple. I think the dollar is going higher or lower, lower, and again, That's in the world of of these many currency pairs to trade. So let's give everyone a simple expression of I think the dollar is going higher. I buy the dollar index. I don't have to go through seven currency pairs. Now, Chris, as I told you, I started my career in FX and I traded it for 20 years on the floor and then did arbitrage between the spot and futures markets. Currency pairs trading euro against sterling, Canada against Aussie. Interesting trade, sure. But the complexity involved in those took me a long time to get comfortable with and is a challenge for people who don't trade full time, who are looking to enhance, you know, who want to trade but can't spend that difficult amount of time trying to understand what am I actually doing when I trade euro sterling and remove the dollar component. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep the selection process easy and let's employ it so right now we've got those three products forward slash sm75 our equity index product which is comprised of 15 uh single names within five sectors so we call it the small 75. our smallest precious metals index gold silver and platinum and then the small dollar index now i got to tell you what's coming next down the pipe we have some really cool product but this one in particular i think is great we talk about trading interest rates now you and I, and everyone uh, lives in the world of rates in mm-hmm. some way, whether that be our mortgage, our car loan, or student loan, everything's quoted in yield. And that's the way we understand interest rates uh, as self directed traders, uh, pro tail traders, and individuals. We're compelled, though, to trade the world of price. And what that means is if I think interest rates are going higher, I got to sell a bond. Mm-hmm. Just that inverse relationship is confusing. Then right. when you add duration and convexity to it, you know, I've taught this on uh, bond spreads on, on TastyWorks. And I feel each step that I take a 20-year and add a 10-year and create a yield curve trade with these different rates, you slow, it's almost like a comedian uh, who's not hitting it at a comedy club and the audience keeps getting smaller and smaller. Just because the lift is harder and harder to do. Uh-huh. It is a lot for someone to consume and learn. So our product in interest rates is a 10 year US treasury, but it's just quoted in yield. I think yields are going higher, I buy Right now, the 10 years are 52 basis
0: points. Ooh, I like that. Isn't that great? I already see I like that. I I tell you what, Pete, that is super appealing to me because I had said a hundred times at least, I I describe this this way all the time, that bonds are priced and I quote, I use the word wacky. Bonds are wacky in the way that they're priced. So if you buy the yield and the yield's going up, that makes things so much easier. I love that.
2: It does. And you know what? We'll have what they call different durations or knots on the curve. So if you want to trade short-term yields, because you have an opinion on the Fed, you can trade a two-year note. If you want to trade a little bit longer, you can trade a 10-year note or a 30-year note. But all of them are still quoted as that index price with a $1 tick. Very simple, very easy. So again, I've got an idea about the Fed. I've got an idea about inflation. Here's the product. Here's the expression of opinion. Boom. Easy to do. And that's in every product we build, we really go back and say, will this resonate in terms of simplicity? Can I take my ideas to execution quickly and easily?
0: Gotcha. Okay. So I have several follow-up questions. I'm all about questions. Um, can you buy and sell the same product? Not like uh, at the same time, but like, like, let's say I want to get short yield. Can I get short yield or is that not? Okay. No, Just and, Chris,
2: Chris, that's a great question because in the world of equities, we have some constraints we know it's not what Mm -hmm. they call it, a neutral security. A neutral security means I can buy or sell it as easily. There's a little bit more involved in short selling a stock, Uh, the uptick rule. Then there's the challenge of, you mentioned back and forth, pattern day trading rules. For a lot of us that constraint around $25,000 makes it difficult because we're constrained by the pattern day trading rules. In the world of futures, there's no pattern day trading rules.
0: Oh, I didn't know that, okay.
2: Yeah, a truly neutral security, which means I can buy or sell it with equal ease and the same capital required to do so. No uptick rules. There's nothing that prevents me from expressing my opinion. So they are very easy in terms of adopting opinion on either side and back and forth.
0: Gotcha. Oh, that's really cool. So Pete, I know that that Tasty Trade has talked for a long time about getting a seat on the exchange. And uh, if the audience wants to go back and listen to the Tony Batista interview, he talked all about his, his career with getting seats and, and things like that. Now, obviously, I don't intend to drive up to Chicago, especially with the virus in between you and me, and sit somewhere around your office there in the small exchange. What is the seat? And what does it do for me as somebody who's, who's heard about it, but I, I just don't even know what it is?
2: sure so when we and and tony and i we had memberships on the exchange which gave us privileges and several of them were access to the trading floor so we could go into where the pit was preferential fees we had very dramatically reduced fees it truly was a business at that point where you're really once you either own your membership or you leased it your only cost of doing business was you're trading code and the cards you had in your pocket. It was it was really easy to do. So how can we, um, how can we bring that to empower our 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 retail uh, audience, our our active trader base? So what we have is a subscription. It it is not you know when we talk about membership, it often confers ownership. Now our subscription doesn't confer ownership confer ownership in the exchange but well, what it does do is like what we used to have as professional traders it cuts our uh, exchange fees in half so you can buy a lifetime subscription or one-time fee now wherever you go in your journey if you change brokerages if you move on to trade differently that lifetime subscription goes with you so you get half off of small exchange uh, exchange fees now there are no market data tr- fees right now um, one of the challenges in the current world where it's a bit monopolistic, so CME and ICE, who are the two major players in the futures arena right now, charge a lot for market data. They, they have gotten to the point where they can't because there's still no competition out there. Yeah. We want to be the guys that change that. So you know, for, for us, uh, even not defined as a professional user, which market data fees are almost $400 a month, it's still 30, 40, or $50 a month. Now, you add that up and you think, oh my God, I, I, I'm having to make $500 just to start my journey for a year. And that's a lot to, to take on. So let's lower those barriers. That's what we wanted to do. So there are no market data fees. You can look at our feeds in real time and there's no two-week trial and then you have to pay for them. They're free. At some point, we'll probably want to take that from revenue negative to revenue neutral so there'll be a small fee attached to it. But as a subscriber, you have half off your exchange fees and when and if they come, half off your market data fees. OK, so that is, makes
0: a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. No renewal, no anything. One time fee. Our CEO, Donnie Robertson, it's kind of like if you go out to dinner and buy a, you know, a bottle of wine. That's basically what you're paying for a lifetime of reduced fees and reduced market data fees.
0: Gotcha. So. I know all about fees. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, so on my TastyWorks account, I have a I have a uh, a commercial account there that I trade through, and um, I think it's like $150 a month for the privilege of like live quotes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I will take delayed quotes and save $150 a month. I mean, I'll figure out how to get around that that 15 minutes of delayed quotes, and it's worked fine. But that was my first thought is, geez, just because I went from a a retail account to a commercial account, like the whole world changed. (laughs) So I know all about that.
2: And Chris, isn't it funny that the guy, it's truly a paradox because the guys who are actually making those prices, you and I who are making the trades tend to pay the most to see our own prices. We're seeing the world's prices, but that paradox is something that needs to be fixed. And that's something we want to disrupt because it, it, it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know what? Everybody should be able to see prices and be able to trade. So that is something that we really feel is going to be disruptive within the industry.
0: Very cool. So back to fees. Let's say, like, um, I mean, there was a race to zero not too long ago, right? Where everybody's now now stock trades are free basically everywhere. Option trades um, have not had quite the race to zero, but I know. Tastyworks does a great job of that, which is one of the reasons I started using them back in the day. Uh, I was like, when, when they were you know, teasing the whole thing when Tastyworks was coming, I was like fighting to get in. I think that was like 2015, <laughs> right? I was just like, I got to get this ASAP. But it's a it's dollar to open and zero to close and you're maxed out on, it's, isn't it like 10, 10, uh, 10, what am I trying to say, $10 per leg max? Wow.
2: That's so, correct. I
0: mean, just right there, right, you're, you you throw a, a few contracts around and it gets real cheap, real fast.
2: It it does. Yeah. And you know, on the future side. So we felt again, we had to lower those barriers. So to trade a futures contract, it is from the exchange side, it's 15 cents. If you're a subscriber, it's seven cents. Wow. So when we think about and then Tasty Trade has a fee on top of that, it is the lowest fee in the industry, though. So uh, I am as small as a small exchange officer. I'm not promoting any particular brokerage. Everyone has. We've made the exchange accessible to a very broad audience of participants. You uh, you know you can go from interactive brokers or uh, event or any number of places to to facilitate your smallest trading. Um, but you know we're all sensitive, the more we trade, the more that cost becomes an issue and we wanna be in a spot where it's effective. So from the exchange side, we went back and we looked at, okay, we're, we have futures, they have this tremendous capital efficiency, how can we price it as effectively as possible? And we did, so basis, smaller size futures should demand a smaller cost. So our cost for execution, going across the, 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 the global futures prices, are the lowest
0: of the world. That sounds basically like free, like we were just talking about a second ago. Well, Pete, this has been so enlightening. I I have learned a million things here today. I hope the audience has as well. Um, And so, like I said, head on over to trytastyworks.com to get your free bonuses and open your account and you can start trading these. Pete was saying that you can trade these small exchange products on a lot of platforms. Are we on everybody yet or getting there?
2: Where we're we're getting there, it's a work of you know, it's always a work in progress, and participants. But right. in, in terms of the retail community, there's a great uh, there's a great swath. And honestly, if your broker doesn't offer them, reach out and let them know. Uh, broker? You, let's just, you, let's,
0: yeah, broker. I'm just let's just do that instead. <laughs> I like
2: that. And if you want to learn more about the subscription or the exchange, the small exchange.com is a great place to go, there's great content. Do um, you know what's great? Our product pages are one page. And you think, well, is that enough? Because I'm used to looking at a product page. In the world of bonds, like you mentioned, that's 12 pages long and very confusing. You walk out exhausted. No, the products should be simple enough to consume in a single page read. So you're going to find that elegance and simplicity running all through our site.
0: Very cool. Well, I'll tell you what, the, <laughs> the simplicity of it really has me excited because as I mentioned earlier, that was my number one obstacle, right? I just spent years learning how to trade options. I got to do that all over, get to trade futures? Jeez. <laughs> you
2: are you know what? We all weigh that that lift. Uh, we, we want to adopt a new product, but we know there's a cost. That cost is not only financial, but it's time and effort. And yeah. what am I going to get for my time and effort? Well, we want to give you a product that has all these great benefits, all this simplicity, and also on average, moves about $80 a day. So we've taken out, and you mentioned, that gold move recently, I think we breached $2,000 very early this yeah. morning. and We've just sold off appreciably. Um, but that's a $2,500 move in a matter of, geez, Chris, uh, four hours that we've been talking. Not, been uh, talking about-
0: We've been talking four hours? I've lost track <laughs> of time here, Pete. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so that's a tough move to swallow, right or wrong. You know what, the idea that let's get these futures to fit in the world we have proportionally, then we can adopt them. We could substitute them. We get all the benefits without having to be overwhelmed by these products. And that's our goal. So at $80 to $100 a day I often call it my sleep at night trade. Because you know what we. I always get this question when I was uh, building You know, whether working at Tasty Trade or in my previous life. How in the world can you leave these positions on at night? How can you I need to stay up all night, and trust me, I've tried that, and uh, it, it, it doesn't lead to a good uh, outcome. Nobody can do that. So what you need to do is either not have that, that angst overnight or have a product that you know is in a comfortable range. So whatever it gets, you keep your idea, and you know that whether it's right or wrong, it's not going to overwhelm you when you wake up in the morning. That's empowering.
0: Uh, It is, yeah, absolutely. Just yesterday, somebody put on social media, describe good trading in three words, and my three words was sleep easy tonight, so completely agree with you. I've written a short guide on how you can use the Triple Stock Profits system. It's the secret weapon every investor needs right now to change your financial future, and you can get it for free by visiting triplestockprofits.com or in the links below. Also, if you want to join a community of traders just like you, you can get free access to the Elite Membership that has even more resources to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Well, Pete, this has been a really, really great conversation. Thank you so much for your time and, and for going through everything in such detail. I, I really am, am very flattered to be able to, uh, to take your time in, in this way and share this with everybody.
2: Chris, thanks so much for having me on. I can't tell you this was really a treat for me also. I do appreciate it.
0: Oh, man. The the pleasure is all mine. So thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks Options uh, podcast. And now futures, too, it sounds like. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss every... uh, What do I say now? I've totally lost my train of thought here, Pete. Uh, (laughs) School tips and tricks help you trade faster and trade smarter. And uh, I'll see you next week.
1: 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10 and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors' and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments, not included here, involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions. And for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com/legal. And thanks for stopping by.